You know, Scott Marr was the voice of Creighton University basketball for more than 20 years. On December 11th of last year, he turned 61 years old. On December 12th of last year, his son found him unresponsive in his bed. He rushed him to the hospital where a CT scan revealed that he had had this massive stroke and more than likely he would not recover. The doctors, as a matter of fact, moved him to ICU because he was not able to breathe on his own. His brain activity just kept getting less and less and less. And the doctor told his son, you need to call the family so that everyone can say goodbye. His family rushed to the hospital, and over the next two days, he went from a little bit of brain activity to no brain activity. And his kids decided they wanted to take him off of the ventilator so the last few hours of his life he could just die peacefully. They took him off the ventilator. They said their final goodbyes, and they went to prepare with the funeral home to have his body picked up so they could have it cremated and make the funeral plans. And as they were on the way to the funeral home to make the final funeral preparations, they got a call from the hospital that said, Dad's still hanging on. Do you want to come or do you want to come say goodbye one more time? So they walked into the hospital to say goodbye one more time. His oldest daughter sat down beside his bed, grabbed his hand, and as she had every day for the last three days, said, hi, Dad. And this time without a ventilator in, he turned his head towards her and smiled. She grabbed the nurse and said, I just spoke to my dad, and I, like, I, th- I think he heard me. It looked like he smiled at me. Could that be possible? And she said, I don't think so. So they asked him to move his thumbs, and he did. And then they asked him to wiggle his toes, and he did. And a few days later, he regained consciousness, and a few weeks later, he walked out of the hospital. They told the morgue, you don't have to come cremate him anymore. He is alive. (laughs) They're calling him around Creighton University and around Omaha, Nebraska now, the miracle man. But here would be my question to you this Easter. If walking into the hospital room of a dying man, only to find out that he's still alive, is a miracle, what do you call walking to the grave? of someone who's been dead and buried three days, only to find out that they are alive. We call that Easter. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend at Journey Church International. And I want to thank you for being here with us to celebrate Easter. For those of you who are brand new, welcome. My name's Christian. I'm one of the pastors here. And like, we are really honored that you would spend a little time with us this Easter weekend, just celebrating Easter with us. And I want to read to you the Easter story from a man named Mark. Mark was one of Jesus' friends. If you have a Bible, there's a book in your New Testament called Mark that you can open to chapter 16. Mark was a friend of Jesus 2,000 years ago, and Mark uh, was there the weekend uh, that Jesus was arrested, the weekend that he was crucified, the weekend that he resurrected, and Mark wrote down what he saw happen at that time. Now, inside your bulletin, if you were handed a bulletin when you came in, are some, are some notes where you can follow along. If you say, there's no way I want to follow along in a sermon, I just want this to be over as quickly as possible. If you follow along, you'll know when it's going to be over. Because like when the last blank hits, you'll know like it's almost time to leave and eat. So you you might pull out your notes just in case. If you have a smartphone, we have an, uh, an app, the Journey Church International app, where everything on the screens will be on your handheld device so that you can kind of see and follow along that way. If you happen to be streaming with us, we have several folks in our church who cannot leave their house because right now they're fighting cancer, but I know you're watching Easter with us, so thank you for being with us from where you are. Keep fighting. We're praying for you. Thank you for hanging out with us. We're going to start in Mark chapter 16 and read what Mark said happened that first Easter. Here's what a friend of Jesus wrote down about this story 2,000 years ago. Mark chapter 16, we're going to read seven verses. Here's what Mark says. When the Sabbath, that's Saturday in Israel, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. I believe that it is possible that the two most powerful words for you spiritually this Easter might be the two words and Peter. You may have not even seen them when we just read the angel speaking to these women, several of them named Mary. But as the angel spoke to these women about what had happened, he said this in Mark chapter 16, 7. And he said two words that I need everyone in here and those of you watching online to be aware of because they are crucial maybe to your life spiritually this Easter, the angel said, but go and tell his disciples. And if you have your Bibles, I would underline these two words and Peter tell the disciples and Peter. Here's why those two words are out of place in Mark's book. Here's why those two words are out of place in the mouth of this angel. Peter was not just one of the disciples. He was the leader of the disciples. When the angel said, go tell the disciples that meant Peter. He didn't have to say the disciples and Peter, but for some reason, he felt like Peter might need a special invitation. So on the first Easter Sunday, according to Mark, who was there, there was this emphasis to make sure that Peter knew what Jesus had done. He's alive again and where he would be. He'll be in Galilee and he wants to meet you. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You know, I'm not sure where you are spiritually this Easter. I don't know if you're a Christian or not a Christian. I don't know if you were raised in a Christian home or if this is the first time you have ever sat in a church. I don't know if you're intrigued by Christianity or if you hate Christianity. I don't know where anyone in this room is spiritually if we are not like closely connected in some way. But I'm really glad, regardless of where you are, that you have joined us for Easter 2019. And here's what I believe. I believe you're here Because God wants you here. Not because mom and dad want you here. Not because grandma and grandpa want you here. Not because your husband or wife drug you to church. Not because your parents made you come. Like, I really believe the more stories I hear, like Jeremy's, who you saw baptized at our church last weekend, the more stories that I hear of people who connect to God, I really believe God positions people at specific times to be at a place where he can open up their hearts and make a difference. So regardless of why you're here, I believe God has put you here this Easter. And I believe if you will open your heart to what Easter is, that maybe Easter will mean to you what it did to Paul and the early disciples. It will mean everything. And maybe God brought you here this Easter so you could hear two words, and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. As we study through biblical history and spiritual history, the phrase and Peter reminds us that Easter is for two very specific groups of people. All of us in the room are in one of these groups 
or one day we will be in one of these groups, or we all know someone who is in one of these groups. And what we learned this Easter about these two words and Peter is actually going to be a great spiritual tool for us to help somebody who lives in these groups. And Peter tells us that Easter is for two groups of people, and maybe you or somebody you care deeply about is in one of these groups. You say, who are these two groups? Group number one are those who have fallen spiritually. The phrase, and Peter, tells us that Easter's for two very specific groups of people. The first group are those who have fallen spiritually. Again, most of you, I don't know where you are spiritually right now, but maybe this is the group. You used to be really connected to Jesus. You used to be really engaged in church. You used to be really close to God, but something has happened, and you're not anymore. You need to know Easter is for you. You know, the Easter story really begins on Thursday night, not Sunday morning. Because on Thursday night, Jesus and his disciples ate the Passover dinner. It's what we celebrate now as the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. We took communion at our church uh, last Sunday. If you grew up in a church, at some point you've, you've probably had the wafer, the very thin bread, and the grape juice or a small sip of wine. You've taken communion. That is when Easter began, Thursday night. And on that evening, Jesus kind of told the disciples, hey, here's what's going to happen. As a reminder, here's what's going to go on the next 72 hours, and I need you all to be aware. Kind of final instructions. He says, I'm going to be arrested. Before we go to bed tonight, I'm going to be arrested. Then you are all going to run away. Then I'm going to be crucified, and they're going to bury me. But on the third day, I'm going to raise again, and we will reconnect in Galilee, about 100 miles from where Jesus was. But he kind of gave them final instructions. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested They're going to kill me. They're going to bury me. But I'm going to raise again, and we will reconnect in Galilee, so I will see you there. But in the midst of this, he said, when I'm arrested, you're all going to run away. But it's okay. I'll see you after I raise from the dead. And Peter interrupted him. In Mark chapter 14, verses 27 through 29, Jesus was giving these final instructions, and he says, you're all going to fall away. For it's written, I'm going to strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'm going to go to Galilee. We'll connect there. And Peter declared, even if all fall away. I won't. Peter's Easter story begins with this bold commitment to Jesus. I'm going to follow you, and I will never follow. I will never fall away. And even if other people follow you for a little bit and then fall away, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and I will never fall away. Even if everyone else does, I'm all in. If you have a spiritual story, you have made a similar commitment. If you have a spiritual story where you've ever followed Jesus, it began with a similar commitment. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And regardless of how difficult life gets, Jesus, I'm I'm going to follow you. My question for you is after you made that commitment to follow Jesus, did it last? Has it lasted? Because Peter's did not. It didn't make it 10 hours Peter had to think his Easter story ended just a few hours later because just a few hours after declaring to Jesus, I am all in, he fell flat on his face. Jesus was arrested, just like he said he was going to be. All of the disciples but two ran away. Mark, who wrote this story we're reading, said that he was grabbed by a guard who pulled off his robe and left him naked, but he ran away naked because he was so scared. Everyone ran away but two, Peter and John. They made it to where Jesus was in jail. They tried to go visit him in jail. And as they were waiting to see if they could visit him where he had been jailed, people started asking Peter, are you, 
Are you with Jesus? Twice he was questioned about his relationship with Jesus. Are, are, you, are you with the Jesus guy? And twice he said, no, no, I'm not. But then the third time he took it a step further. In Mark's 14th chapter in the 70th verse, it said, after a little while, those standing near to Peter said to him a third time, surely you're one of those Jesus people for you're a Galilean. And he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. Five hours after Peter is said at dinner, even if everyone else falls away, I will never fall away. Peter says to someone, I've never heard of the guy. I've never heard of him. And maybe you were like the apostle Peter. At some point in your life, you made this all-in commitment spiritually. And then something happened that has turned you into a, hmm, I haven't really heard of him, not really close to him. You've kind of fallen like Peter flat on your face. A few years ago, one of uh, our elders tried to kill me. I'm not sure if that's good for a church or bad for a church. Um, but I got invited down to the lake with one of my elders who grew up around a lake and had a boat, and he wanted to teach me how to wakeboard. I did not grow up around a lake. I, I grew up in the hills of southern Ohio, a little hunting, a little fishing, but not much lake life. Didn't have any friends that owned boats that could pull you behind them. So he tried to teach my wife and I how to wakeboard a little bit, and we weren't very good at that. I had water skied a little bit when I was younger, so after a morning of wakeboarding, we're like, can we try water skiing because we're not very good at wakeboarding? And we water skied, and we were a little bit better at water skiing. And apparently when you're not very good at wakeboarding and only kind of good at water skiing, the next step for you is to try to ski barefoot. Um, So that was the recommendation. (laughs) And now I know how many of you are lake people. Now you see why I say I had an elder who tried to kill me. So he had this boom that came off the side of his boat and he put me in this like little outfit that was padded in specific areas to protect sensitive regions, which in hindsight should have been a clue, right? That this is, this is probably not going to end well. And he laid me down on my back and he said, hold on to the boom and we're going to get the speed up. You're going to kind of skip across the water. And when it's kind of ready to hold you, we're going to yell at you to flip around and flip around and dig your heels into the water and whatever you do, don't let go. I got it. So, you know, he takes off and I'm skipping across the water and they yell at me now. So I try to turn around and I mean, I like my hands were on the bar and I sank like a rock and literally pow, I mean, face down in the water, just knocked the wind out of me. It was like, holy cow, that was awful. And as they circled to come back and get me, it had been decided that the reason I failed was because the boat was not going fast enough. I guess Um, I was too heavy. The boat needed to go faster so that I could ski. So they said, we're going to do it again. Just hold on a little longer. And when we tell you, turn around. And whatever you do, don't let go. Um, Got it. Won't let go. So they get going, and I'm skipping across the water like a rock. And they say, now. And I flipped around and tried to stand up. And I just, I'm just not very good at water stuff. And I literally, I had to be going faster than I should have been. Um, I just sank. And I mean, hit the water face first. And when I came to, um, I was laying kind (laughs) of face up in the water and I heard the boat circling and I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, and I went from, I don't want to do this anymore to I like, I can't do this. This is not for me. And some of you have been at a point spiritually where you said yes to Jesus. And something knocked you flat on your face. And as you laid there spiritually, you thought, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I just don't know if I can keep trusting Jesus after the diagnosis. 
I just don't, don't know that I can keep trusting Jesus after the divorce. I just don't know that I can keep trusting Jesus after the tragedy. And some of you have gone a step further and you've said, I just, I don't want, I don't want to anymore. I just, I just don't want to anymore. And you're, you're like Peter and you've checked out spiritually and you're like, yeah, Jesus, I don't know him. I'm not with him. I'm not one of him, but it's because you fell and it hurt so bad that you thought I can't do this or I won't do this. I believe every spiritual journey endures some types of fall. And sometimes those hurt really, really bad. But here is the hope of Easter and Peter. Whether you've drifted spiritually this year, whether you've been drifting spiritually in this season of life, whether you've been drifting spiritually in this decade, whether you've been drifting spiritually since your marriage ended or since a loved one died or since you graduated from high school and you've just not been able to get re-engaged spiritually, the words and Peter means there's hope for you at Easter or perhaps your greatest spiritual need tonight is not yourself, it's a son, it's a daughter. It's a husband, it's a wife, it's a parent. You have someone in your life who you love dearly, who has fallen hard spiritually. And they've said, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're wondering, can Jesus ever reach into their heart again? The words and Peter tell us that he can. Easter is for those who have fallen. Jesus says, I want to meet you too. Easter is for all the Christians and Peter. Easter is for those who have fallen away. To come back. Easter is hope for those in our lives who have fallen away that Jesus, He still sees them, He still loves them, He still wants to meet them in Galilee. Maybe Easter, this Easter, is the time for you, sir, the time for you, ma'am, the time for you, teenager, to come back. You've fallen hard, maybe you've fallen hard twice. And maybe when you came too spiritually, you thought, I don't, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. Easter is for those who have fallen spiritually so they can come back. But there's a second group at Easter. Easter is also for those who feel disqualified spiritually. Maybe you say, I haven't fallen spiritually because I've never stepped in spiritually. Again, Christian, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a churched person. So I I don't know if I'm even qualified spiritually. Easter is for those who feel disqualified spiritually. Jesus predicted exactly what would happen. He said he would be arrested. He was. He said the disciples would scatter. They did. He said he would be crucified. He was. And that they would bury him. They did. He said he would be resurrected. He was. And then he said we will connect in Galilee. So the disciples were in Galilee. And they were waiting to connect spiritually. It was where Peter was from originally. And in John 21.3, after the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but after Peter's hard fall spiritually... He told his buddies, I'm going fishing. He said, that sounds like a great thing to do when you're contemplating spiritual things. But for Peter, he didn't take his pole out to fish. He took a net out to fish. Fishing was not a hobby for Peter. Fishing was a way of life. So when Peter said, I'm going fishing, he he wasn't talking about what he was going to do that afternoon. He was talking about a change in the purpose of his life. Because he had been a fisherman three years ago when Jesus said, I want you to stop fishing for fish and selling them. And I want you to follow me because we're going to change the hearts and lives of people and connect them to God. But after three years of doing that, Peter fell hard. And when he came to, he thought, I don't think I can do this anymore. He thought he was disqualified spiritually. So he went back to work as a fisherman. 
And Peter's inner monologue probably sounded like this. Maybe this is what your inner monologue sounds like. Peter probably thought there are people who follow Jesus. And then there are people like me. There are people who follow Jesus. And then there are people like me. I see who they are and I'm not them. I don't think I can ever be them. There are people who follow Jesus, but then there are people like me and I don't think I'm qualified to be a Christian. Peter had really good reasons to feel disqualified. He probably felt like his fear had disqualified him as he wondered if he was going to get arrested like Jesus was arrested on Thursday night of Easter week. The danger probably disqualified him. He probably thought, I can't do anything that has any type of spiritual risk to it. The pain that he probably feared. He watched Jesus be beaten while he was arrested and probably thought, I don't know that I can endure that. The suffering that he probably didn't want to go through. The freedom that he thought might pull him away from his family. We know Peter was married. He had kids. There were a lot of reasons he had to kind of walk away from Jesus. And he probably thought, those have disqualified me. And maybe... You have good reasons, good reasons to feel disqualified spiritually. Maybe you weren't raised in a Christian family and you just have thought this wasn't ever for you. Or maybe you were raised in a really strict Christian family and it had such a negative impact on you that you thought that is definitely not me. Maybe you feel disqualified because you've never really known Christian people. You don't know any of the songs. You see people raising their hand. It weirds you out. You don't even own a Bible. Maybe you say, I don't know any Christian people. I I don't think I'm qualified. Or maybe you have known some Christian people who have treated you very, very poorly. And for that reason, you've thought, I don't ever want to be one of them. Maybe you've endured a tragedy that's really made you question if God is good, how could that happen? And until I know all the answers, I don't think I can be qualified spiritually. Or maybe you have a scientific mind that makes it really hard to believe in anything supernatural, anything that the Bible says about God. You just think, I just, Christianity's for a lot of people. I don't think it's for me. Listen, Easter is for you because Easter is about Jesus. And when we catch up with Jesus, who had an angel say, tell the disciples and Peter to meet me, we catch up with Jesus in Galilee. Peter had gone fishing And the next day, Jesus was on the shore ready to have a conversation. And as they had breakfast together, and then as they took a walk on the beautiful beaches of the Sea of Galilee, maybe one day you can go to Israel with me. Our church has taken seven trips, and on one of them, I've been to the place where Jesus and Peter had this conversation in John chapter 21. Jesus and Peter took a walk along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and they had a conversation And if I could summarize Jesus' conversation with Peter, it basically was Jesus saying this. Hey, Peter, I want you to know I'm aware of your failures. I'm aware of all the reasons you believe you're disqualified. He asked Peter a series of questions. Peter said, even if everyone else runs away, I never will. And Jesus that night said, Peter, do you really love me more than everyone else loved me? And Peter said, obviously, it it didn't turn out that way. I wanted to, but it didn't turn out that way. And then Jesus said, well, like, Peter, do do you love me at all? Maybe you didn't love me as much as all your friends did, but, I mean, when push comes to shove, were you all in with me? And Peter's like, obviously, if you look at my actions of the last 72 hours, clearly no, I, I failed there too. And then Jesus asked him, well, do you even like me? Do you even like me? Like, like are we even still friends? And Peter said this to him. You know and you see 
everything I have done spiritually. And I would like to still be close to you. But that's up to you to decide now, not me, because I have failed. Jesus had a conversation where he said, Peter, I'm aware of all your failures. But then Jesus said, number two, I'm not going to hold them against you. He asked Peter, do you really love me more than everyone else like you said you do? And Peter's like, no. And Jesus said, that's okay. You follow me anyway. And then he asked Peter, do you love me at all? Were you really all in? You said you were going to be all in. And Peter said, obviously, no, I was not all in. And Jesus said, follow me anyway. And he said, Peter, do you like me at all? Are we even friends? Peter said, you know everything. I would like to, but that's up to you now. And Jesus said, you're right. I want you to follow me. And that's letter C of the conversation. Jesus said, I'm aware of all your failures. I'm aware of everything you think disqualifies you. I'm not going to hold that against you because I want you to come and follow me. See, Christianity is not about our level of spiritual commitment. Our level of spiritual commitment is not what allows someone to become a Christian. It's Jesus' level of sacrifice. It's not the level of our failure that disqualifies us spiritually. It's the level of his forgiveness that qualifies us spiritually. It's not the level of our love for Jesus that allows us to connect to God through him. It's the level of his love for us that allows us to connect to God through him. So if you're asking this question at Easter, and I hope you are, Christian, how do the spiritually disqualified connect to Jesus? Because that's me. I, my whole life I've thought I was disqualified spiritually, but, but if I'm not, how do the disqualified connect to Jesus? The answer is the cross. The answer is the cross. It's why Paul said this weekend means everything if it really happened. I don't know if you were watching TV Monday afternoon. If you were, you saw that one of the most famous churches in Europe was on fire. The Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, one of the oldest Christian churches in Europe, more than a thousand years old, was on fire. I don't know if you saw the pictures of it, but it, it was wild to watch this ancient building go up in flames. This spire that you see here eventually collapsed into the auditorium and the whole world thought it was gonna burn down completely, but it did not. It took them nine hours to put the fire out, but they did. And Tuesday morning, almost every major news outlet across the world ran a story about what had happened to the Notre Dame Cathedral and they posted the first picture taken from inside the church with the headline, the cross still stands. And I thought only God could figure out a way for every media outlet in the world on Easter week to have the headline, the cross still stands. And that, that, the cross is the hope of Easter. The cross qualifies everyone who is disqualified. See, something happened between Peter's denial of Jesus and his conversation with Jesus. Something happened. The cross happened. Between Jesus, I'm all in, and falling flat on his face, something happened. The cross happened. And between you falling away spiritually, if you have, or between you feeling disqualified spiritually and connecting to God stands the cross. The cross still stands. And it is the bridge that qualifies those who are disqualified. And it will hold you if you want to cross it. Paul, who I told you about, this great evangelist of the first century, in one verse of scripture summarized what Easter means. 
In Romans 8.34, Paul said, who is the one who can disqualify you spiritually? Paul said, who is the one that condemns us? Who's the one who tells us we can't connect to God? He says, no one. Christ Jesus is the one, and he died. More than that, he raised to life, and he's at the right hand of God now, interceding for us. Paul said, the only person who can disqualify you is Jesus, and he died for you, and he raised from the dead for you, so he can fight for you if you want to follow him. See, the very simple gospel, the word gospel means good news. The spiritual good news this Easter and every Easter is three things. The crucifixion, Jesus died for you. The resurrection, Jesus raised to life for you. And intercession, Jesus fights for you now before God and says, I know they are disqualified, but the cross can make them qualified. So in Mark 16, 7, the angel said to the women, go tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus wants to see them. Easter is not just for the disciples who are doing well spiritually. Easter is for those who have fallen spiritually, who God is saying, come back. Easter is for everyone doing well spiritually and you, sir. Easter is for everyone doing spiritually and you, ma'am. The cross takes all the disqualifications and makes you qualified. And Easter is for those who feel disqualified because they've never connected to Jesus in life. They didn't think it was for them. They thought there were people who were Christians and then there were people like them. The cross qualifies you. Jesus said Easter is for all those Christians and people like you. I went home last Sunday after church and I watched the 18th hole of the 2019 Masters Golf Tournament. Uh, which Tiger Woods won. Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golfer of our ages, but some real life setbacks, some injuries have set him back. And he won the Masters Golf Tournament for the first time since 2005, which is an interesting year because that's also the year that the worst round in the history of the Masters Golf Tournament was played. For those of you who like golf or maybe don't like golf, here's what you need to know. Once you win the Masters Golf Tournament, you can play in it every year for the rest of your life, even if you're no good anymore. In 1970, a golfer by the name of Billy Casper won the Masters, got his green jacket, and got a lifetime exemption to play in the Masters golf tournament. In 2005, he was 73, and he wanted to play in the Masters. His friends and family tried to talk him out of it because they thought he would embarrass himself at 73, but he wanted to play. And on Thursday, uh, the opening round of the 2005 Masters, he shot the worst score that's ever been shot in the history of the Masters. He was having a difficult round, struggling to even make it through the golf course when he stepped onto the 16th green. The 16th uh, 16th hole at Augusta National is called Redbud, and it's a hole that is completely surrounded by water from the tee where you hit the ball to the green where you have to put it in the hole. For those of you who don't know golf, it's a par three, which means you're supposed to make it in three shots. The two people in his group stepped up and they hit it onto the green and then 73-year-old Billy Casper, 1970 Masters champion, stepped up to the green and he couldn't get it to the green. He hit it in the water. And every now and then that happens in golf. If that happens, you have to take a penalty stroke, which means the shot that went in the water counts for two instead of one. So when his first shot went in the water, he had two strokes. They let him hit a second shot and he hit it in the water. They let him hit a third shot and he hit it in the water. They let him hit a fourth shot, and he hit it in the water. They let him hit a fifth shot, and he hit it in the water. Finally, on his sixth shot, which was actually his 11th shot on his scorecard, he knocked it on the green, 
and he putted three times and made a 14, the worst single hole in the history of the Masters, to complete the worst nine-hole score in the history of the Masters, to complete the worst 18-hole score in the history of the Masters. But if you go look at the Masters history book, you don't read anything about that round. Because at the end of the round, he did not sign his scorecard, which meant it did not count. That is a really smart thing to do if you have the worst round of golf in the history of the Masters. What if you and I, at the end of a really bad day, could say, I'm not going to sign that day. That one doesn't count. What if we, at the end of a really bad week, could say, I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to sign that week. It was a really bad week. What if we, at the end of a really bad year, could say, I'm not going to sign that year. That was a really bad year. You see, the reality is this. In golf, if you don't sign your scorecard, you get a clean slate. Nothing is held against you. And in Christianity, not by not signing the scorecard, but by taking your scorecard to the cross, you get a clean slate. So you may be looking at your spiritual scorecard and reading the history of your life, and you might be saying, according to my scorecard, I am disqualified spiritually. If you will take that scorecard and nail it to the cross, you get a clean slate. It will not be held against you. You may be looking at your scorecard and think, it's been a long time since I've said yes to Jesus. And man, my spiritual score since I said yes to Jesus is not really good. If you will nail that scorecard to the cross, that will not be held against you spiritually. Because as the world knows this week, the cross still stands. And it stands for you, sir. Because you are disqualified spiritually. Unless you let the cross stand in your place. And for you, ma'am, you are disqualified spiritually. Because you've just not been brought up in church. You've not had any connection with Jesus. But if you put your scorecard on the cross, you get a clean slate. And some of you who long time ago had a really great relationship with God, you feel really distant right now because you are. But if you will take that scorecard to the cross, you get a clean slate to start over. Easter is for everyone following Jesus. And it's for you. It's for you that have fallen a little bit. And you need to come back. And it's for you who have never engaged. But now you have the opportunity to. My question for you this Easter is what will you do? We know what our scorecard says. Do you want to wipe it clean and start over because the cross still stands. And as long as the cross stands, Jesus' arms are still wide open for a relationship with you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? This Easter, every head is bowed and every eye is closed, including those who might be watching online. If you are here this Easter and you are not a follower of Jesus because you feel like your life, the scorecard of your life, has disqualified you spiritually, how you were brought up, how you were raised, how you were turned off, what you've gone through, whatever. If you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I really need God in my life. And I need a clean slate so I can start over. You today can bring your scorecard to the cross and start over. Easter is for you. It's for 2 billion Christians celebrating across the world this weekend, but it's also for you because of the crucifixion and the resurrection and the intercession of Jesus. You can be forgiven. You can start over. 
you can follow Jesus now and live eternally in heaven with him when this life is over, but you have to bring your life to the cross and give it to Jesus. If you've never done that, you can do it today. You say, how do I do that? You just tell God. You say, and where would I meet him to tell him? He's listening right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but hearts are open and heaven is open. Listening to the prayer of your hearts if you're here today and you've never encountered Jesus as Savior. You've never encountered Jesus as the one who forgives your past because of the cross. You've never encountered Jesus as one you try to follow. You've never encountered Jesus as one you hope to live with in eternity. You can do that today because of Easter. All you have to do is open your heart to his love, to his forgiveness. Open your life to his leadership. The Bible says that if you believe this in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, if you pray, you'll be saved. You'll be cleansed, you'll be changed, you'll be given a clean slate. You will walk with Jesus and one day be with Jesus. And if you've never done that, Maybe God brought you here this Easter so you could. All you got to do is tell God what you're already feeling in your heart. If you say, I don't really know what to say, I'll say a prayer that you can repeat after me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can speak from your heart straight to heaven. God hears you. If on this Easter, God is saying, I want to connect to you through Jesus. Would you just pray these words from your heart to heaven? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the place, but hearts are open. Would you pray this prayer to heaven, Jesus? On this Easter, I need the cross. The scorecard of my life disqualifies me spiritually. But if the cross qualifies those that are disqualified, then I want to start over. Just repeat these words after me in your heart today by faith. Which means I don't understand everything. But I'm willing to believe. Today by faith. I come to the cross of Jesus. Forgive me. Of the sins of my past. Come into my heart today. And lead me. In my future to know you. And to follow you until one day I am with you in heaven. Today I choose Jesus. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for raising from the dead for me, and for fighting for me. Today I commit to following you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed across this room. But if you just prayed with me, I'd like to pray for you. I don't want to make you feel vulnerable. I don't want to embarrass you in any way. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a second while everyone else keeps their heads bowed and their eyes closed. If you prayed with me so that I can pray for you, in just a second I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Hold it up in the air until I can scan the entire auditorium. Then I'll have you put it down. And then I'll say a prayer for you as you begin your new life with Jesus. Even if there's just one of you, I would love to pray for you today. If you just prayed with me, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room on the count of three, 
Would you just lift your hand up and let me know? One, two, three, right now, just all over the room. Just lift your hand and hold it up in the air for just a second. There are people in every section, so I'm going to scan slowly. Just keep your hands up if you would. I'm going to count you so you know when I'm done. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm to the middle section now. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 18, 19 hands that I can see. Go ahead and put your hands down. God, I pray for these 19 people who today said, I thought I was disqualified spiritually, but if the cross qualifies me, I need Jesus. God, I pray that you will be very real in their life. Don't just be a spiritual moment that they have, but God, I pray that as they leave, they would really feel forgiven. I don't know how to explain that, but I've experienced it. So God, I pray that they may experience it as well. Let them feel that you are with them. Lord, I I can't explain that either, but I've experienced it. So let them experience it as well. And let their eyes and hearts be open to your love, to your grace, to your truth, to your leadership. And God, as they commit to follow you, let them walk into life that is truly life and one day eternal life. Change them from the inside out. And let them live at the cross of Jesus, who was crucified for them, raised from the dead for them, and fights for them spiritually before their God. Thank you, Lord, for these that have found Jesus tonight at Journey. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I wonder how many Christians are in the house who have fallen spiritually. For one reason or another, it's just been a tough stretch. You found yourself laying face up in the water thinking, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I can do this. But you heard Jesus say, and Peter. And you know that means you too. That this Easter, Jesus is saying, for all the Christians and you too. I know you've been out for a while. Meet me in Galilee. If you're here and you're a Christian who's been away from God for one reason or another, and he is calling you back to him, just acknowledge that in your heart. Just tell him, God, I hear you, and I know I need to return. And if you will help me, I will try my very best. God, I need to return to you. If you will have me, like you had the apostle Peter, I will do my very, very best if you can help me to follow you again. God, be with those Christians this Easter like the Apostle Peter who had fallen but were called back, who felt disqualified but who were called back. Let us realize it's your love for us, not our love for you, that helps us win spiritually. Let us realize, Lord, it's not our failures that disqualify us, but it is your sacrifice that qualifies us. And let us stay close to Jesus. We can't do it without you. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus this Easter season. May this event in history, like the apostle Paul said, change everything in our life. We love you. And God, we ask these things today in Jesus name. And everyone said together, amen. Journey, can you put your hands together for 19 people today who said, I need Jesus in my life.